Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Enredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. This is Paula. And this is Monica. Welcome to Entre Dos, a podcast about raising bilingual children. Welcome back, everyone. We are so excited to be back with our first episode of 2019. We have some great episodes lined up for the coming months, and we can't wait to share them with you. Before we get into the episode, we wanted to thank you for supporting Entre Dos. We've been feeling the love on social media, and we're happy to be a part of this awesome community. If you like our show, please take a moment to rate and review us. It really helps us get more visibility so other listeners can find us. To kick off the year, we're talking about exposure. Exposure is a concept that almost every expert we've talked to on the show agrees is essential to bilingual development. It's also a great topic of discussion among our listeners and social media followers. It's clear that we need to give our kids exposure to the target language. But what exactly is exposure? And more importantly, how much is enough? Does quality matter more than quantity? These are some of the questions we'll explore today with Rosario Romiche. Rosario is the manager of the Language Development Lab at Florida Atlantic University. For seven years, researchers at the lab have been studying how language development is different in children who are acquiring two languages simultaneously. One factor the researchers look at is, well, exposure. Here's Rosario. Let's say we're talking about just a child that is learning one language, one language alone. So uh, this child will be exposed 100% of his awake time hearing the language. It's 100%, uh, let's say, whether it is English or Spanish or any other language. So they're receiving constantly that input. So that's one of the things. When we talk about a bilingual child, you, the time that this child is receiving input is a split between the two languages. However, the proportion may be, it will be 50-50, 40-60, however the proportion may be. So, of course, if the child is exposed to one language and, and we are talking about only the quantity, uh, the language that has the most exposure is the one that is going to be, um, the child is going to be better at. Right. When we talk about only about exposure, it makes sense. Right. But not all exposure is created equal. Now, along with the, the amount of input or exposure that the child receives, also we talk about the quality of the input. So if the parent or the, the speakers that provide the input for the child are um, provided rich full of details uh, with a um, sentences that are very complex with grammar and, and, you know, all different types of words, the richness of that input is also going to influence the child development in that particular language. So uh, one of the things that we said to our parents is that it, it matters the quantity of the exposure as much as it matters the quality of the exposure. You may be wondering, how do I know if my child is getting quality exposure? 
If you asked us how much our daughters are exposed to each language, we may be able to give you a rough estimate. Now, in, in terms of quantity, parents are very good at um, assessing, and that's the way we do it in our, in our lab. We actually, uh, one of the questions that we ask the parents is, um, you at the home, at the household, between everybody that is part of the household, uh, what is the proportion that you uh, use the English and Spanish? And they're very good at assessing that. They will tell you it's like we speak really 40% uh, Spanish and 60 English and so on. So uh, we, we have a pretty good idea of how much of each language is used in the house. So that will give you the, the quantity of the, the input. Paula. Percentage-wise, could you tell me what's the exposure ratio for Emilia? I find it's harder to quantify now that she spends most of her time outside the home. But when she's at home, I would say it's maybe 60% Spanish, 40% English, or even 50-50 on some days. In school, she's getting 80% of her instruction in Spanish, but English is the language she uses with her classmates. I'd like to say that for Zoe, it's 50-50, mainly because I know she's getting a lot of Spanish in school from her teachers. And of course, she also gets that at home most of the time. But English is very dominant among her peers, and that's currently our weak spot. But I know that a lot of the Spanish language exposure she's getting is from a diverse group of native speakers. And, and this is important because quality is the other variable used to evaluate exposure, even though it's not as easy to measure. The, we don't have really a measure per se to uh, to see the quality, but we do and um, talk in, in terms of proficiency. So if the a speaker is proficient in the language, and of course it's also it's not only one thing. You you know you can have a parent who is very proficient. But the way that this parent interacts with the child is going to influence also the quality of the input. If you are um, a parent who talks to your child and explains like in, in details, you know, if, if I'm, I don't know, maybe giving my child a bath and I will explain, look, this is the water and, and it, it feels warm and it's, you know, provide details and that interaction, that's the richness, that's the quality that we are talking about, you know, using different types of words, using uh, sentences that are complex, that, that uh, are longer, um, that's the way that we, that we may measure the, the quality of the input. What about who the children get their language input from? Does that make a difference? When we asked this question, Rosario first made sure to point out that while apps and media can be helpful, the most effective input for language development comes from face-to-face -face conversation. At a younger age, the person who has more influence will be the caregiver, whether it is the, the mom, sometimes the grandma, uh, grandparents are, are, you know, whoever is spending the most time with the child is the one who is going to have the influence. And also, one of the things that we find out is that the, the native speaker of the language is the one who has more influence. And this is related also to proficiency, because if you are native in your language, you are going to be more um, equipped to, to provide the child with the richness of your language.
compared to somebody who is trying to speak a language where you're not very proficient, the, the way you are going to provide the input is not going to be as rich as if it's your native language. I told Rosario about my husband. He speaks a little Spanish, but the pronunciation isn't all there. And I sometimes worry that my daughter won't pronounce words with a native accent. Here's what she had to say. You are concerned that your child may be uh, getting accent because somebody who is not native in the language is providing the input. You can expose your child. You can provide different types of speakers, not only, you know, uh, people who are not native in the language. You can provide a speaker, a Sp a native Spanish speakers as well as native uh, English speakers. And, and that, I, I think, will take care of the uh, you know, the way that the, the child is receiving the input. And again, it's tied up with the with the quality um, of the input. And again, the native uh, speaker is the one who is going to have more influence in the language that the, the, the speaker is providing. So essentially, the amount of target language that the child hears is the amount that they are going to acquire. And when you couple this with the quality of that input, that's what's going to influence their language development. Right. And that's what the researchers at the lab have been looking at in their longitudinal studies. In one, they looked at language development of bilingual kids from two and a half to four years old. Every six months, they met with families and measured their children's vocabulary production, as in how many words they were able to produce in each language. They also looked at how much they understood each language by asking them to identify what they saw in images. Uh, every assessment is done in both languages. We, we don't use the, the conceptual vocabulary, meaning like if I ask the child, if I, um, I know that the child or is reported that the child is dominant in Spanish, I don't only measure their Spanish uh, skills, I also measure the English separately. So in that way, exactly the number of words that the child knows in English, as well as I know how many words the child knows in Spanish. And in that way, you have the total vocabulary and you can actually see if the child is gaining and how much is gaining every time you are doing the assessment. And you can actually see if there is growth or not, and then you can actually identify um, and then ask the question, so who are those kids who are really gaining, who are getting more words? What, what kind of um, uh, households they have? What kinds of uh, variables are influencing this development? Rosario stressed the importance of taking into account a bilingual's vocabulary in both languages, since it's a better reflection of vocabulary knowledge than monolingual tests. Right. The reason we do this is because the thing is that if, if you measure the child's ability, only, consider only in English, the child is not going to, probably is not going to fare well. It's not going to, you know, it, well, it, also, it will also depend on how proficient the child is in that particular language. But the thing is that, and this is something that we say all the time, is that a bilingual child is not, two monolingual children in one. So they're not two monolinguals in one. They are learning English as much as they're learning Spanish and therefore their vocabulary is distributed at, across the two languages. And it, uh, we find that it is not um, 
reflective of what the child knows or their skills if you measure only one language. So the way we do it is we, we measure both languages and then we add it and we get the total vocabulary as, um, as part of, you know, the, the, to evaluate the child's uh, complete skills, language development itself. A bilingual child is not two monolinguals in one. Remember that the next time you feel like your child's vocabulary in one language may not be in par with the vocabulary of his or her monolingual peers. To close the episode, let's revisit that question of what parents can do to offer their children quality exposure to the target language. Rosario had some suggestions. I would say that, you know, for younger children to take the every opportunity of interaction to uh, keep in mind to provide the richest input possible for the child. That's one thing. The other I will say, and I, I say this to my parents too, to, you know, if they're, and that also may go for your parents who are not the speakers of the language, but they have their kids uh, learning the language that they're, the, the, it's different from theirs, to find uh, exposure with speakers of native speakers of that particular language. You know, um, we have um, parents who are monolingual in Spanish and are very proficient. Some, many of them don't consider themselves bilingual. And so, and they worry because of course the child needs to learn English. They're going to go to school and they don't want them to fall behind. And so many of them sometimes choose to speak in English, even though that's the language that they're not very proficient. At. And so what I, I say to them is, you know, there are um, other ways, you know, there are library programs like Story Time or Mommy and Me and, and, and so on. And actually now here in, in, in Broward and in Miami, many of the libraries have taken um, the idea of having a bilingual uh, groups, you know, they they do sometimes stories in English. They do sometimes stories in Spanish, and they try for the most part to have native speakers for each language. So the 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 more uh, different speakers they have in their um, uh, in their input or in their experience, the better the child will be. So. Um, you know, uh, take advantage of every opportunity of interaction to provide rich input. Try to find uh, people who are native speakers to provide the, the, the input for your child if that's not the, your, um, your native language. And the quantity of different uh, speakers is also another aspect that to consider. So let's recap. Remember, face-to-face -face conversation is the best way to provide exposure. Use rich language when speaking to your kids. And think of yourself as a narrator of your day-to-day -day activities. And, and try to expose your child to a diverse pool of native speakers. That's good advice. Great advice. Thank you so much to Rosario Rumiche for joining us. We've really enjoyed our conversation. 
Yes. And, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode where we will explore the role of public libraries and how they can help us in raising our bilingual children. Really excited about that one. In the meantime, join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Entre Dos Podcast to share your bilingual parenting questions and experiences. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review our show. We would really appreciate it. Yes. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. Adiós. West. 